Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. But we ought to be very careful about what sources of information we believe. And you might be thinking, well, there you go. I'm not going to believe you. That's all right. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to trust me. If what I say is not the truth, don't believe it. I do not pretend that what I share is perfect, flawless information. If I were preaching from the Bible, teaching from the Bible, that would be a different matter. But one thing I struggle with is the limitations time-wise of this program. And so many times I touch on a topic and I don't sufficiently cover it to my satisfaction. And that is the case with a few things here that I am going to come back to and say more about today. But first, on the previous program, I referenced the Weather Channel yet again and Hurricane Irma. And the only reason I am referencing the Weather Channel is because I've been in a circumstance in which I find myself constantly being exposed to the Weather Channel, just as is the case with I've made mention about Fox News, things that I would not normally uh, take a look at. So I couldn't help but notice another advertisement that the Weather Channel is running. In the previous program, I mentioned this, quote, as Hurricane Irma approaches, there is one place to turn to and to trust, trust in the Weather Channel. And then they are running other advertisements that say, trust the Weather Channel, or trust in the Weather Channel. And I think we should be very, very careful about whom we trust, what we trust. If you watch enough of the Weather Channel, and it does not need to be years' worth of it, okay? You watch enough of it, an hour here, an hour there, an hour here, an hour there, you will find a very strong ideological bias. Another advertisement that I've seen, just to digress for a moment, is with regard to local television and radio. And it states that, using my own words, that local television and radio is free from the bias inherent in... I'm not sure if they state network TV or national network uh, programming, but certainly they reference cable programming. It's free from that bias, really. As long as people are involved in the preparation of the information and in the communication of the information, there is bias inherent in it. And that's true with regard to my communications. My bias is pro-God, pro-Christ, pro-Bible, Holy Bible, if you want to call that bias. There are people who pride themselves on being so open-minded. There are people who insist that everyone should be completely open-minded until they come around to thinking the way they think, (laughs) except when it comes to believing what they're saying. When you find the truth, not something that just appeals to you in some way, shape, or form, appeals to your prejudices or your lusts, your sinful predilections, when you find something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is true, then you are an utter fool to put that aside and to keep on looking for something else to take its place, to supplant it. People who don't know God, don't know Christ, don't know the truth of God should go on looking, go on seeking. But 
so many people do not look and do not seek, and so do not find the truth. And yet many who do find the truth, it's not because they did such a wonderful job of seeking as it is that God just got in their way (laughs) so many times. He put things in their path. He had witness in nature and in the atmosphere, in the stars, in the physical creation, in the animal kingdom, in people, and down through history. So yes, you could say I have a bias, but I have a bias on the side of truth, (laughs) not on the side of falsehood and fallacy, not on the side of man is the measure of all things, not on the side of meditating on your navel, not on the side of getting into a bent state of mind via psychotropic drugs and then finding enlightenment. Back to the Weather Channel. In addition to saying that there is one place to turn to and to trust, trust in the Weather Channel, trust the Weather Channel, in addition to that, I saw the other day, I heard the other day, the following, and I've, I've heard it from them a number of times, Irma's wrath, quote, Irma's wrath, end quote, exclamation mark, end quote. Well, what they do, and this is not just the Weather Channel, don't mean to pick on the Weather Channel, the Weather Channel is just a modicum of the myriad falsehoods out there, issues out there. They may be very expert with regard to meteorological knowledge and forecasting such as it is, which is extremely imperfect. But in and of itself, it is by definition, it is extremely imperfect. Unless you happen to live in an area where the weather is the same day and day out, day and day out. And a forecast of bright sunshine and 0% chance of rain will be true the vast majority of the time. (laughs) Which reminds me of uh, these psychics and such. Like, quote, California psychics have helped millions of people, end quote. (laughs) They have served themselves of millions of people. But that's one of their taglines, their advertisements, that they have helped millions of people. Yes, they have helped lighten the wallets and the purses of millions of people. They have helped reduce the bank accounts of millions of people. But so many, it's, it's become a, uh, a truism. <laughs> so many of their predictions, of their readings and whatever, that you stumble across, you can't help it. It's on the portals. It's everywhere you're, you are absolutely accosted by this stuff. It is that and or in modern entertainment. But they are predictions that are so generic and so vanilla that they have to be accurate a significant portion of the time. But so too with regard to weather forecasting. But they said the following again, back to the Weather Channel, quote, Irma's wrath, end quote. And they were referring to Irma wreaking havoc wrathfully, and I don't know the actual statements beyond that little micro-statement, Irma's wrath, but I heard it repeatedly, that it was bringing its wrath to bear on, you know, on Florida, Georgia now, South Carolina expected to be. So what's going on there, really? Well, they, in this case, the Weather Channel, those behind the scenes, behind the curtain, 
they first personalize a hurricane. Why is it that these hurricanes don't have a number associated with them? You know, for so many of us, a number is assigned to us, a social security number, a driver's license number. Years ago, I was appalled to see that on my Virginia driver's license, my driver's license number was my social security number. And you were required to show your driver's license routinely, regularly, all the time. And you're flashing that personal identifying information that hackers love to get a hold of nowadays. Well, Virginia very slowly, very belatedly got around to substituting a different number for the Social Security number. And the latest thing that I've seen with regard to this extremely careless, reckless, slipshod use of Social Security numbers is an advertisement that the Medicare card and or Medicaid cards that they within the next year or so are going to substitute some number for your social security number. Because again, you're having to provide that to everybody and their brother as a means of identification for services. And at a hospital that I had to have just a routine Procedure, a procedure I never used to have to have, but now that I go in for all the time, one new employee demanded of me my social security number. (laughs) I couldn't get the test done that needed to be done. And uh, I wasn't happy about that. (laughs) But uh, I digress. I'll get away from that. Don't have enough time for that. But so instead of assigning a number to a hurricane, They assign a name to it. They personalize it. If you go back far enough or if you've seen reruns of them, they're not on TV, but if you've seen reruns via, let's say, getting CDs from a service such as Netflix, or make that DVDs, not CDs, DVDs from a Netflix service, or you have an online streaming service that just happens to have The programs of, it was called originally Danger Man, a program that was made in jolly old England, featuring an actor of Irish lineage who was born in the United States of America, Patrick McGowan. Patrick McGowan, a very interesting fellow who turned down being the original James Bond. And why did he do that? He was offered the role. And others were, you know, fighting to get that role. And he turned it down. And why did he do that? Because he said the role was too promiscuous. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine an actor turning down absolute fortune and world fame Because the role, in his view, was too promiscuous. And it was promoting promiscuity. Fascinating. But Patrick McGowan starred in this program, Danger Man, which then was provided here in the United States of America as Secret Agent Man. And the theme song by... Johnny Rivers, I believe, I'm getting him confused with Jimmy Rogers, but I believe Johnny Rivers, a wonderful theme song, or you could say jingle, but it's a theme song, and it says, taking away your name, uh, giving you a number and taking away your name. And yet, interestingly enough, here, not just the Weather Channel, but meteorological Authorities assign personal names, persons' names, to hurricanes and other storms. Why is that? Why do they personalize them? 
But not only here have they personalized this hurricane by assigning a woman's name to it, but then they attribute wrath, anger, vengeance to the storm. This is not just the result of sheer stupidity on their part. I understand you could take take that view that, that that's what it's about. It's just that they're stupid. Or it's just that there is some mercantile motivation there. But I really believe there's more to it than that. I really believe that there is a spiritual dynamic there. And again, it, this is going along with the same people who trumpet Mother Nature. And the statements they said before, just a week before this or whatever, about, no, what is it that's gotten Mother Nature so ticked off? Or what is it that's gotten Mother Earth so ticked off? Not God. Now, this is, again, this is intellectual and sophisticated. (laughs) as compared to believing in God, which is backwards and ignorant. Fascinating. Or believing in psychics. Well, that's very advanced, yes, even though they've been around forever. But perhaps you've seen that, contrary to the predictions with regard to Hurricane Irma, it's changed here and there. Again, initially, day after day after day, the emphasis was it was going to come up the east coast of Florida after striking the Keys. Then it was going to go up the west coast of Florida. Now it has struck, yes, some of the west coast, but more of the east coast, seemingly, and is thrashing Georgia and supposed to hit South Carolina and so on and so forth. But... Hurricane Jose, and and in weaker force. Hurricane Jose, which was never supposed to make landfall, now they are making predictions it could make landfall along the East Coast. They don't know that. It may just quasi-harmlessly blow itself out in the Atlantic. But the point is they don't know. And they won't admit they don't know. (laughs) And they speak authoritatively about things that they really don't know. And yet they are the experts. They are the experts. They are the preeminent experts, authorities on these things. Well, one place that was very hard hit by Irma was the United States Virgin Islands. And the situation there is so dire that this one woman who happens to be an opera singer, she stated the following, quote, we don't have any information. We have not seen one first responder. We have not seen one police officer. Everyone in our neighborhood is walking around with sharpened machetes and guns for protection. End quote. Guns for protection, what a novel concept, don't you think? You know, here in the United States of America, again, our wonderful leaders, so very many of them, and those who would be leaders, and those who have been leaders, and those who would be leaders, again, insist that owning a firearm or firearms, oh, there have to be nefarious intentions, as compared to protecting your family and loved ones from destroyers. And here these people are scared out of their wits by the situation where there is no running water, there are no foodstuffs, the islands have been defoliated, the trees have all been stripped bare and broken in half, as she describes it. There are no first responders... There supposedly have been troops sent, but they haven't exactly made themselves felt yet. And these people are terrified, not of the storm now, but of violence against themselves, against their family and loved ones. And they are attempting to protect themselves with machetes and firearms. 
Well, what backward people, don't you think? I mean, every time I see this, and U.S. Virgin Islands is a little bit different situation, but every time I see this, again, about Americans who have left America not to do mission work. (laughs) When I say mission work, I don't confuse that with the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, so-called false witnesses. I'm referring to Christians. But they have chosen to leave the United States of America. They're not in the military. They're not working for a major oil company. They've chosen to leave the United States of America in order to be able to live less expensively, more affordably, and in a beautiful paradise-like setting. And they have gone to foreign nations, and it is becoming increasingly common for them to renounce their United States citizenship in order to keep from being somewhat impoverished by taxation in the United States of America, where they are not living any longer. But when I see them go to these places, Mexico, Costa Rica, Thailand, Peru, wherever it is they're going, I always think, people, do you really think that's the best thing to do? It's one thing with retired couples, but I see it families with little children and what have you. You know, there are things more important than money here. (laughs) Safety. It's not to say you'd be safe in the United States of America where, despite the great proponents of the rule of law, like John McCain and George W. Bush before him while he was president, but despite all of these great proponents of the rule of law, the rule of law ceased to be, for all intents and purposes, a long time ago. There has been corruption of the justice system, perversion of the justice system. It is miscarriage of justice is rampant and has been the rule, not the exception. But here's a case, people moving to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Well, that's still in the United States for all intents and purposes, United States protectorate. That's not, that's not going to Mexico. That's not going to someplace in Africa or Asia. This is still essentially homeland. It's not even a British nation. It is United States Virgin Islands. And yet, Here is the situation they find themselves in. Rather shocking. As it turned out, this woman and her husband and her young child, they, subsequent to her making these remarks, they were evacuated to Puerto Rico, again, part of the United States. Though why Puerto Rico is part of the United States And the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, are part of the United States, and Cuba is not. (laughs) It is beyond me. But again, it was just the way things were done, and done very, 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 very badly. I referred previously to this about pot, about this nation going to pot, Washington State, Idaho going to pot. Idaho state government is running media ads promoting stamping out smoking tobacco. Because, of course, tobacco is evil, right? And not only are children, teenagers, and tweeners that are in between there, and then young adults prohibited from purchasing tobacco products up to the age of 21, And there is no advertising of tobacco permitted, of course, in these good old days that are so, so superior, so advanced to the old, old days. But because after all, they could be exposed to secondhand smoke. Hmm. Secondhand smoke. Well, if there's anybody that would be affected badly, negatively, by secondhand smoke, it's me. 
If there's anybody that hates the smell of tobacco products, it's me. I think they reek. And that's just cigarettes without including cigars and pipes. But marijuana, a psychotropic, mind-bending drug that changes your DNA. And the DNA passed on to any children begotten and conceived by couples who smoke pot. Changes DNA, causes physical changes in the bodies, feminizing men, and that reeks, makes cigarette smoke smell good by comparison. It absolutely stinks, dare I say to high heavens. It's good. It's benevolent. It's beneficent. It's beneficial. It needs to be legalized everywhere. It needs to be promoted everywhere so that all of us who abhor it are subjected to marijuana secondhand smoke. And so that all of us who are endangered by drunken drivers are now endangered by stoned drivers. It's great stuff. I mean, it's a classic case of federal government, state government, municipal governments having gone to pot. Judges, courts having gone to pot and imposing their ungodly, anti-God, unrighteous, perverse ways upon the people of the land. Siding with those whom they should be siding against. You know, there are still NFL players that are banned from playing because of pot infractions. It's just, it's rather ironic. I mean, you think, well, isn't that hypocritical? You know, players whose whole careers have been wiped out because of infractions with pot. And I'm not talking about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean now, current. It's just, it's remarkable. Double standard. But, oh well. So, coming back to something that I've started on a couple times and which perhaps I just kind of left it hanging there. Let me come back to language and law. And one case in point, because <laughs> I uh, scattered my, my focus there too much. But the case in point of marital rape, so-called. Marriage is not only created by God as our people, as is sexuality, as is human reproduction, but marriage is created by God. And at the cornerstone, at the foundation of marriage is sexual consent and submission. And when one marries, unfortunately in this nation, in order to have the blessing, the stamp of approval, the seal of approval of the nation, they have to get a marriage license and so on and so forth. Submit to man-made authority over God's creation, God's institutions. And man's ways are not God's ways. (laughs) They are more often than not diametrically opposed to God's ways. But right in the DNA of marriage is sexual consent. That is as inseparable from marriage as anything within marriage. But interestingly enough, thanks to the extreme leftist socialists who are in charge behind the scenes and many times out front, but still in charge, doesn't matter that Trump's president, he's influenced by these people, these movers and shakers, these world planners, these Dr. Kissingers and 
Margaret Sanger's successors and so forth. They have created this fiction, this legal fiction of what marriage is. And it is so distorted from what marriage is supposed to be that they are able to cripple marriage (laughs) and make it criminal for a man to take his wife, even while, even while rapists are able to rape children, teenagers, girls, young women, with impunity, and they will refer to it as sexual assault, if anything is done about it. Sexual assault, not rape. Again, it's been dumbed down. It has been pled down. It's not rape. It's not forcible rape. There's rape and forcible rape, statutory rape. It's not rape. It's sexual assault or sexual molestation when it's out and out rape. Vicious, ruthless, heinous, vile, perverse rape. In California, uh, California is such a a garden spot. Uh, But it, of course, going back many years, the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, became synonymous with the sodomite activists, with sodomite movement. And yet, it has metastasized to all of the nation. Atlanta, Georgia, which has been taking some brunt of the storms, of the hurricanes, it, according to something I read a year, year and a half, two years ago, has the highest percentage, the highest concentration per capita of male sodomites. Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, good old South, down South, right? Not San Francisco, not profane San Francisco, but Atlanta, Georgia. Meanwhile, Seattle, Washington had or registered as having the highest percentage, the highest concentration of lesbians or female sodomites, if you will. Remarkable. Again, not San Francisco. But these things are subject to change. Meanwhile, I visited Nolens, New Orleans, Louisiana, Nolens, Louisiana. I was there on an outreach at Mardi Gras years ago. I went more than once. And it was a cesspool, an absolute, utter cesspool, pervaded by sodomites and all other manner of sexually immoral people. And yet, it is commonplace for Christian gatherings to go to New Orleans, not to witness, which is what we were doing, not to witness, not to evangelize, or not to try to win souls. No, but just to have fun. It is a place that draws all kinds of such people, of such gatherings of people. I know I was very appalled when I saw the young men that had their beautiful girlfriends, sweethearts, whatever, with them and drugged them through that. I saw some couples dragging their little children and babies through that filth. And this is before Katrina. And also once I got on board a ship down there in New Orleans, also missions-related, and when I came into New Orleans, when I flew in to New Orleans International Airport, I am not the most sensitive person, okay? I do not have some kind of spidey senses, spiritual senses. I just don't. I don't have that much sensitivity that I am in tune with all of these things. But I felt the greatest spiritual darkness I've ever felt except for 
when I later visited St. Louis, Missouri, or Missouri. This is something that is present nationwide. Like I mentioned about Fargo being home to the Church of Satan. At least they were claiming it was some time back. There is this palpable and vile, destructive, spiritual, and physical darkness that is present in so many places across this country. And it has greatly influenced this nation. Pick any state capital. It doesn't matter how small it is. Any state capital in the United States of America. And you will find a concentration uh, not only of politicians and political wannabes and political staffers and political staffer wannabes and media outlets, but you will find concentration also of political pressure groups. And contrary to the major media elites, they are predominantly of the left in these places. And you will also find concentrations of sodomites. You'll find concentrations of witchcraft, of the occult, of Satanism. It's just amazing. Why is that, do you suppose? Really? I mean, why is that? Could it possibly be for the purpose, for the intent of influencing legislation and wreaking havoc with rulership in this nation, with the rule of law in this nation? Could it possibly be? Do you suppose? Why else would they be found in these kinds of disproportionate concentrations in places like Augusta, Maine, Albany, New York? Why? Okay. Olympia, Washington. Sacramento, California. Why is it that you find this to be the case? And maybe you haven't found it to be the case, but look, scratch the surface, and you'll find it is the case. Don't believe me, don't trust me, but check it for yourself, because it is true. And they're not there to do good. (laughs) But instead, they are there to overthrow this nation. It's just like when they are trying to push through this latest effort of theirs politically via not just legislation, but referendums, petitions, so forth. Why is it that they so frequently, those of the left the followers of the late Saul Alinsky, why is it that they very frequently focus on states like Maine, which has, oh, a million and a quarter, one and a quarter million people, states like Oregon, states like Hawaii? Why do they do that, do you suppose? Well, they can make huge media buys, of TV and radio for pennies on the dollar of what it would cost them in New York State, in California. You know that old saying about as Maine goes, so goes the nation. Well, even though that is true to only a tiny extent anymore, it is true to a tiny extent because a a larger extent than it would be for the simple reason that those of the left can absolutely flood the state with massive media buys for get a fraction of the cost of what it would cost them in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California, Texas, and so forth. And then, courtesy of extremely leftist judges, they managed to get those rulings to impact the rest of the states, to be recognized by the other states. 
Now, it's a different path as far as taking a case to court and pursuing it through the channels and following it all the way to the Supreme Court in hopes that the Supreme Court will rule vilely, lewdly, and profanely against God, against Christ, against the good people in the nation, whether they happen to be Christians or not, whether they happen to be believers or not, but against the good and the moral and the decent. And more often than not, they succeed. But that's a different pathway. That's a different track. And sometimes the two converge. You know, when those who are not the wicked ones manage to pass a referendum or some such, by whatever name we're going to call it, and those of the left abhor it, then they attack them through the courts to get it overthrown as being unconstitutional. And again, the leftist, socialist, wicked judges are only too happy to help with that. And it happens over and over and over again. And meanwhile, when there are good and godly laws on the books, they simply cease to enforce them, as was the case with regard to induced abortion. But then when they finally succeed in a breakthrough, it may take a hundred years, but when they finally get a ruling in their favor, five to four for them, or whatever it is, then they instantly get it enforced. And any who oppose it, oppose it as mildly as picketing, as having a sit-in, as praying publicly, in front of an abortion clinic, as street counseling, sidewalk counseling. You go after them with the stormtroops, in this case, the U.S. Marshals. It's what Hillary Clinton did. Extremely, I will use the word zealously, even though it's not a good use of the word, but extremely zealously, hatefully, viciously, ruthlessly, and appropriated the RICO Act, Anti-Racketeering Act, to go after these people in just absolute monstrous ways to destroy their lives, destroy their livelihoods, destroy their families. It's just one of those stories that has never, ever, ever, ever been told in major media circles and is never told in cable news circles, but I'm just barely touching on it here. We live in a nation which has forgotten, for the most part, forgotten about God, in which so many churches pat themselves on the backs, the leadership and the people, the congregations, pat themselves on the backs about having such wonderful churches. They have such wonderful worship services. Uh, They have a soup kitchen ministry. Everything is called ministry. They have a, a tape ministry that is recordings of their programs. And they have this ministry and that ministry and the other ministry and the other ministry. And everything's a ministry, which is just a way to elevate the importance of it. And meanwhile, we'll never, ever, lift a finger, speak up against the evils that have threatened the people of this nation and continue to. And the problem with these evils overtaking this nation, it's not just how badly they directly impact the nation, but as I've said before, it also brings not the wrath of Irma, or the wrath of Jose, or the wrath of Harvey on this nation. It brings the wrath of God on this nation. Not some imaginary wrath, not some poetic license wrath, but literal wrath. It doesn't happen immediately with the first instance. 
but it builds up and builds up and it shall not fail to come. And it has come. And vast multitudes of girls and young women and young mothers have been kidnapped, raped, tortured, trafficked, slaughtered, torturously murdered over the past many decades. And that is not a coincidence. Have any boys suffered? Yes. But that's a microcosm compared to what the girls and young women have suffered. But anyway, dear old Canada, which has such enlightened ways, they attempted to pass, and I believe they did pass, legislation legalizing sodomite seduction of boys down to the age of 14 with impunity with zero repercussions. Sodomite seduction, a.k.a. rape, of boys as young as 14 with no repercussions. If they rape them younger than that, well, then there may be some slap on the wrist, but 14, perfectly okay. Again, I don't know if that passed, (laughs) but I believe so. And that was some years ago. An example of the terrible lawlessness in this nation, the United States of America. When I go to some town, go through it, go past it, And I happen to recognize that people are living within a stone's throw of a prison. I always get a little bit less than good feeling about it. That it's a prison community. Well, here at a prison community in Louisiana, Louisiana, This one fine fellow, a young man of color, to look at him, I think you would agree with me that he's a young man. It just so happens he was actually 39. But a very youthful 39. Well, this prisoner, he kidnapped and murdered an assistant warden's 18-year-old stepdaughter after he escaped from prison. But he didn't have to break out of the prison. He didn't need to tunnel out of the prison. He didn't need to climb over some barbed wire-covered wall or topped wall. No, no, no. Or scissor-wire. No. He walked out. He walked out from the David Wade Correctional Center. Now, this didn't just happen. Okay, This happened, a, I don't know how long ago this was, if it was a month and a half or so ago, something like that. And he kidnapped this girl, 18-year-old girl, a beautiful girl, She was at home, in the home that she shared with her parents. But again, she was a stepdaughter. So, she was in this home, not of the other parent, natural parent. Well, this fine fellow, he was a trustee. He had been given the position of being a trustee. 
and he worked cleaning flower beds and mowing grass in that area, in what they called the compound. And they had many trustees. He kidnapped her, forced her into her car, and left. And within two and a half miles of the prison, he had murdered this girl and buried her underneath pine needles. He stabbed her numerous times, stabbed her in the neck numerous times. I guess it was just accidental. And this girl was not of color. This girl was white. But this wasn't a hate crime. Even though it's black versus white, it wasn't a hate crime. This whole hate crime thing is such a complete, utter sham. Every vicious, ruthless, heinous murder is a hate crime. Regardless what dear old black Lives Matter claims. Now, you may not view Black Lives Matter this way, but I assure you, Black Lives Matter more accurately should be stated as only Black Lives Matter unless they are blacks who are opposed to the Black Lives Matter agenda or Black Lives Matter most, far and away more than all others. Again, unless they are opposed to the evil agenda. Well then, he crashed her car in nearby woods. Uh, There was no statement regarding whether it appeared to be accidental or deliberate, but he crashed her car kidnaps this girl, goes two and a half miles and murders her. Then he crashes her car. He returns to the prison grounds. He steals a car from the neighbors of where this girl lived. He crashes the second car. He entered a nearby trailer. He found a gun. He fired at guards prison guards who approached him and he wound up being killed. This is the kind of crime that clouds this nation's future and its present. I'm Brad Thomas and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.